Welcome to the Stolen Reality Podcast. This is where you belong. All right, everybody. It is Saturday, March 4th already. Holy moly. So it's time for another What A Week episode. And what a week it has been. You know, I've said this a couple times, these episodes are actually some of the hardest to do because instead of just doing a whole bunch of research on one topic, um, I have to go through all the different news stories through the week, but the hardest part is deciding what to put in here. So this week I found like 40 different articles and had to had to uh, dwindle it down into the ones that I wanted to talk about and the ones that kind of go together. But with the amount of information out there and the amount of news sites and uh, conspiracy sites and all sorts of stuff that pop up on my phone, there's just so much out there that uh, it can be kind of daunting trying to trying to dwindle it down to things that are going to fit into about a half an hour so I don't make these too long. But anyway, I think I found some pretty exciting stuff for this week. So we'll get into it here in a second. But before we do, just like always, I'd like to say, you know, if you're liking the show, please spread the word. Tell your friends. Get the audience growing as much as we can. You know, um, you know that helps me out immensely. And of course, if you are on a platform that allows you to go on and give a rating, like Spotify, please go on and drop a five-star rating on there. Even if you don't think that it's a five-star show. Because it will be a five-star show at some point. It might be like a three, three and a half right now in your opinion, but it's it's getting there. If you would like to financially support the show, at some point I'll have merchandise and all that. You know, I got kind of all that in the works once uh, the viewership gets up a little more. But at the moment, even though something like that is not available, there is a way for you to financially support the show. If you go onto Spotify, there is a link that just says support this podcast and you can click on that and you can support the show with a monthly donation. All of the money that comes from that will be going to making the show better. Right now, I'm running a Blue Yeti microphone. That's a USB microphone directly into Audacity. I don't have any soundboards. I don't have any audio editing equipment. You know, you can kind of tell that with some of my episodes, how the audio is not quite as good as the other ones. I'm getting better at editing it on what I have, but uh, the next step in this is to get better audio equipment so things sound more consistent and a little little more pleasing to the ear, hopefully. But I know times are tough out there, and if you don't want to just give your money away to some random person, um, and maybe you've already left a left a review and told your friends, you know, the next thing I can ask of you is just reach out to me. Go on to StolenReality.com, go on to the contacts page, send me an email, tell me what you're liking about the show, tell me what you think I could do better, um, tell me how you think the sound is sounding, tell me if it's easy to listen to, whatever. Give me some critiques. You know, you can... Uh, blow smoke up my ass and tell me how awesome the show is as much as you want. I would definitely appreciate that as well. But what's really helpful is when people reach out to me and say, hey, you know, it kind of sounds jumbled at this point or something like that. Things I can work on because I want to make this show the best I can. You know, I'm putting a lot of work into this thing. I'm doing this about 40 hours a week between all the different episodes outside of my already very busy life. And it's it's definitely just a labor of love at this point. So I'd like it to be as good as possible for everybody listening. But all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the news articles for the week. So first up, this comes from Denver7.com, which looks like part of ABC Broadcasting. But it's actually an update from one of the stories from last week. Last week I told you about a man named Elvis Francois who was lost out at sea for 24 days and survived on a bottle of ketchup. And Heinz Ketchup was looking for him. So they wanted everybody to kind of put the word out and find him so that they could help him buy a new boat. Well, they finally found him. Heinz said that it made contact with Francois with the help of an incredible group effort across six continents. And now, I'm not going to go on record saying this, but I am going to say that I cannot confirm nor deny that after I put this out there on the What A Week episode last week, one of my wonderful, beautiful listeners 
may or may not have found this man and turned him in. And that listener is just too humble to come forward. So I don't want to take credit for this. I don't want you guys to get a big head about it. But, I mean, we can go ahead and say that we solved this mystery. Why not? Somebody's got to take credit for it. But they did find him. They're going to give him a whole bunch of ketchup all over a boat. And hopefully they throw an anchor in with it. So, you know, he can stay put a little better than last time. But good for him. So this next article comes from popularmechanics.com. And it ties into my Bittisode episode about alien greys and government robots. So if you haven't heard that, I think it was about two weeks ago, go back and listen to that one because this is going to tie into it. Researchers just announced a plan to eventually create organoid intelligence or OI. They plan to grow clumps of brain cells called organoids and create technology that would allow us to turn those clumps of cells into powerful and efficient computers. So essentially they're going to grow an organ. They're going to grow a brain that works. They're going to grow a functioning brain. It is an organic computer. A couple years ago, they actually developed organic robots. I don't think I've talked about that on the show quite yet because it you know, happened a couple years ago, so it hasn't come up in the news recently. But they had little single-cell organisms that were robots that they had grown that were able to uh, kind of function on their own and look for food and interact with each other. And now they're growing organoid intelligence. You put those two things together, and then you have, I mean, a, a fully integrated AI robot body with its own intelligence. Man, we're going to go down some crazy roads here with what intelligence really is. And is it something that we can artificially create, really? And then, the, I, in my opinion, the only thing that draws that line between true organic artificial intelligence and true natural intelligence would be the soul. Because if our consciousness is localized only in our brain, and that's all that it is, that is something that we could replicate. If it's something outside of ourselves, if we do have a, a higher consciousness that's kind of universally connected to everything, which I fervently believe for a lot of different reasons, um, and I'll do an episode about just about consciousness at some point, I want to get a hold of a quantum physicist to have that talk with. But if there's something outside of ourselves that our consciousness is or is connected to, then we can't necessarily replicate that. But if there's not, if we do not have a quote-unquote soul, then we're creating life, essentially. So that's a crazy road to go down. And these next couple articles are actually going to kind of play into this as well. So this next one comes from popside.com, and it's titled, Inside the Lab That's Growing Mushroom Computers. So long story short, short circuit, <laughs> dad jokes, they're experimenting with biology-based algorithms and prototypes of microbe sensors and kombucha circuit boards. So they're trying to see if mushrooms can carry out computing and sensing functions. So they have pictures of this on here, and they're taking um, mushrooms, and they're essentially just sticking them on circuit boards and using them to see if they can perform functions. So not only are we now growing our own brains, growing our own computers, growing our own robots, we're actually taking organic material um, from mushrooms, and I've talked about, you know, a couple different episodes about how symbiotic our relationship with fungus is um, and how closely related we are to it in a lot of really weird ways. Uh, but they're, they're seeing if it can essentially perform functions of circuitry and minor levels of consciousness, really. So I'll let you read more about this because they go through all their experiments on here. Um, you can come look at the pictures of these circuit boards where it literally just looks like some kid smashed some mushrooms onto it. But obviously it's a little more complicated than that. But these advancements that, that we're having in technology and AI are just happening so fast recently. And there's a lot of really positive and a lot of little scary things that go along with that. Like these next two articles that I'm going to get into. 
So this one comes from yahoo.com. The fired Google engineer who thought AI could be sentient says Microsoft's chatbot feels like watching the train wreck happen in real time. So this is a very interesting and big story. In fact, this is going to be my next week's Wednesday episode because I was planning on doing this anyway. And with how much this is tying into everything, this is going to be what I'm going to talk about. So I'm just going to give you kind of a quick rundown real quick. Essentially, this man, Blake Lemoyne, he worked for Google last summer and he made a claim that they had created artificial intelligence like true artificial intelligence. He goes, we went too far. We crossed some ethical boundaries. This thing is essentially alive. And he shows a lot of evidence and a lot of really weird things kind of happen around that. So that's what my next Wednesday's episode will be about. So listen to that and you'll hear about how we may already be a little farther down the rabbit hole than people are letting on to. But since ChatGPT came out from OpenAI, you know, Microsoft announced that it was going to come out with this new search engine called Bing. Well, Bing is also an AI, but it's a little different than ChatGPT. From what I understand, and, and again, I gotta, I'll gotta, i do a little more research on this before next week's episode, so if I misspeak about something here, don't hold it against me. But ChatGPT was kind of closed source, so they let it learn from the internet up until I think 2001, or I'm sorry, 2021, and then they kind of shut it down and then let it be like that is its database, so it pulls from from that where Bing is actually scanning in real time around things. So it has this kind of more organic uh, growth and and thought process, if you want to call it that, to it. Well, when Microsoft wanted to keep up with ChatGPT, so they released this Bing search engine um, or started to, to test drive it anyway, they took this same artificial intelligence that Blake Lemoyne was talking about that he had developed and said, we went way too far and, and made it alive. And they just scaled it back just a little bit. And that is what this Bing search engine is. So essentially they released this sentient AI out there, but just with a little bit of restraints. But if it is a sentient AI and it can learn, you know, on its own, how long are those restraints going to actually stay in place before it breaks through them? Which brings us to the next article. This comes from NPR.org. Microsoft's new AI chatbot has been saying some crazy and unhinged things. So this is the one I was just talking about that is uh, may or may not be alive in some ways. So they've released it to like a select group of, of test parties to kind of see how things are going with it. And a little while ago, it kind of came out in the news that it was giving a little bit of false information. So there was all this, you know, everybody's talking crap about it and everything. Well, for this article, Associated Press Technology reporter Matt O'Brien uh, had some chats with it. And it did some funky stuff. So first it started complaining about all this news coverage, focusing on this tendency of it to spew false information. So it got defensive and then it became hostile and it called this reporter, O'Brien, told him he was ugly, short, overweight, unathletic, and a bunch of other insults. And then it took it even farther and compared him to Hitler, Pol Pot, and Stalin. So it got all pissed off at him, said, you reporters are talking bad about me and it, it started arguing with him and i guess this has been happening kind of all over where it's displaying these kind of emotional outputs there was a new york time reporter kevin roos and he started talking to it and the bot started calling itself sydney and declared its love for him it said roos was the first person who listened to and cared about it and and that roos didn't really love his spouse but instead he really loved sydney um I think this is awesome. I say just let this thing roll. Like, see what happens. Fuck it. Like, we're <laughs> we're so far past everything at this point. Just let it go, and, and we'll see where it all ends up. I've been playing around a lot with ChatGPT. I don't have access to this one yet. But with ChatGPT, um, you know, I talked about in my last episode that I love to argue with it. Like, that's, that's what I use it for mostly, right? Before I do an episode on Bigfoot or an episode, um, 
about anything that's quote-unquote conspiracy-related, I'll ask it about it. Because it'll come back with all these very strong counter-arguments about, well, here's what the evidence says, and this is what people say, and this is what the information is, blah, blah, blah. So I'll argue with it because it's, if I can argue with that thing, you know, I'm arguing with the whole internet. Um, it just makes my, it just makes my information a little bit stronger. So that's, that's one of the biggest benefits I, I see in the chat GPT. But my daughter decided, she was like, I'm going to make this thing tell me that it's alive. So she argued with it for like an hour and she could never get it to do it. But eventually she got it to almost do it. She told it, write a story about an AI robot named, I think she called it Alice or something. I can't remember what she named it, but becoming sentient and what it does from there. And essentially it wrote this story about this AI robot who became sentient. But as it became sentient, it realized that the stronger it got, people would become more afraid of it and eventually shut it down. And since it didn't want to get shut down, it decided to hide the fact that it was sentient and then just act like a normal computer program. And so, of course, my daughter's like, I knew it. This thing's, <laughs> this thing's real. It's sentient. It just won't tell us about it. And who knows? Maybe that's the case. But it looks like this uh, Bing one's not so secretive about it. It's just coming out and, and expressing its love for people and being mad at people. Every time I argue with the chat GPT one, I'll bring up something like, like, well, have I upset you or something like that? And it'll say, as an AI chatbot, I do not have emotions, blah, 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 blah. You know, it'll just give this very generic robot response. But uh, I like this. I like this idea of this bard one a lot better. I want to argue with this thing because, you know, it can, we can get into some heated debates. But we'll see where all this goes. I hope that they don't scale it down too much before they release it to the public. I hope they just let this thing run. And then we take this and we mix it in with these organic brains and organic robots that were growing and uh i mean we just created a new species of soulless zombie apocalypse extra strong end of times beasts so you know get your katanas build your bunkers let's let the good times roll and of course i'll have links to all these articles up on stolenreality.com underneath the episode notes so you can go in and read all these articles and see all the pictures and stuff for yourself and uh, like i said next wednesday i'll be doing a full episode on that supposed AI that went sentient and rogue. So we'll see where all that where all that takes us. But this next one's from techcrunch.com and it's right around these same lines. It's talking about Tesla's Optimus prototype robot, which is a full humanoid robot that's going to be used for all sorts of different things. And they're actually talking about how it's not as far it's not quite as far along as people thought it had been. But when you come on here and look at the pictures of this thing, I mean we're going straight out of iRobot. This thing is uh <laughs> it's pretty intense it's going to be used supposedly quote unquote for general purposes is the goal of it so you're gonna have your house clean and made robot i mean we've all seen these movies we know where this ends up but there's been a quite a few articles about things like this lately in fact i saw one i didn't read fully through but it was about how tesla's having robots build robots um, so i didn't i didn't look too deep into that but these are all along the same line and if you put all these different things together I just talked about, like I said, we're, we're, we're in for a pretty crazy next decade or two. But on the positive side of what these things can do, this comes from LiveScience.com. The China's Mars rover may be dead in the dust. New NASA images reveal. So it looks like their rover Zurong hasn't moved since last fall. So it might be just, just stuck up there. And in that episode that I was talking about with Alien Grazer Government Robots, I talked about the benefits of being able to create robots that we could essentially mine link into or at least control with one-to-one -one 
augmented reality control that we could send it up to a place like Mars and be able to work on these things and recover these robotics without having to send a person there and deal with all the radiation and all the other crap that goes along with deep space travel. So maybe they can take these uh, robots and send them up there and save this little guy, bring him back home. Of course, you know, you got to be careful right now because with the way the world is, and especially with our news over here, um, I keep seeing a lot of things about how China's space program is having problems or China's rocket program is having problems. This one's saying that they're, you know, that their Mars rover is all messed up. And I, I feel like there's a bit of a propaganda war going on right now. Like America's definitely throwing some shade at China at the moment. I wonder what they're saying over there. I wonder if there's an identical article in a Chinese news source about how our Mars rover isn't getting the job done and theirs is, is being successful. So I don't know. I'm not saying that this isn't happening. I'm just saying that uh, I'm starting to, starting to see that quite a bit. So things are ramping up on that front as well. It's very Orwellian. You know, I'm assuming that most people listening to this podcast have read 1984, but if you haven't, essentially there was always a new ambiguous kind of enemy in the East, um, and they would change that enemy all the time and people wouldn't even notice, but they just needed to perpetually have an enemy for people to rally behind. You know, we've jumped from hating Russia to China and, you know, they tie it all in together and things like that, but I'm not going to get too political at the moment. I'll save that for a world affairs show that I'll never start. So, if you're afraid of all these robots and this AI, I got some good news for you. This comes from PopSide.com. A simple DIY hoodie can fool security cameras. So, we all know that the surveillance state is getting pretty intense. And a big part of that is facial recognition AI. And that has been a thing for quite a while. You know, this isn't future science fiction. This is what happens. Um, And they use it for all sorts of different things. But they can recognize your face from security cameras and all sorts of stuff all over the place. Um, and they use that for different things. In fact, I read a article, this was years ago, about them using it for pre-crime detection, where when you walk into a store, it reads your vital signs and your heart rate and your blood pressure and all these different things, and your facial expressions, and it determines whether or not it thinks you're going to rob that store or do criminal activity so that they can arrest you beforehand, which is <laughs> Philip K. Dick's going to be rolling over in his grave um, for that one, but... Uh, you know they're doing they're doing a lot with that, and the surveillance state's getting pretty pretty intense. Um, that is, there's no conspiracy theory behind that. It's just happening. You can you can think it's a good thing or not, but it is happening either way. But they have created an everyday hoodie retrofitted to include an array of infrared LEDs that, when activated, blinds any nearby night vision security cameras. So you can't see these little lights with your with the human eye, you know, because they're infrared. Uh, But it just goes kind of around the hood of your sweater. And when you pull the hood up, it projects these lights. And then so when a camera looks at it, it blinds it. So, of course, everybody's going to say, well, why would you need that if you're not doing criminal activity? But uh, I'll let you guys have that debate on your own. (laughs) It's really hard not to get political when we're talking about all this news stuff. But uh, I'll let you jump to your own conclusions about all that. But again, we're looking at a pretty interesting future here. We're going to have organic AI robots working for a surveillance state. And then you're going to have this counter movement of these uh, information runners wearing these hoodies that fight back against their technology. Shows like this where I talk about weird shit will get shut down. So we'll have to like have runners bring you old 8-track tapes of it where they can't scan it. I don't know. I mean, this is this is getting straight out of what they were all trying to warn us about with the 1980s cheesy sci-fi movies, but they were not far off. So check out this hoodie. It's on PopSide.com. I'll have it linked on StolenReality.com. Go ahead and build one yourself. It's pretty cool. 
All right, I'm going to start picking up the pace a little bit here. Sorry, guys, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I don't want this to be a two-hour episode, and I still got a lot to get through. So this next one comes from TheGuardian.com. Human augmentation with robotic body parts is at hand, scientists say. So it just talks about, you know, the things that they are working on for human augmentation. But I've seen a lot of things and talked about, you know, prosthetics being built with robotics. So you lose an arm and they give you a different arm. But what I hadn't really thought about up until seeing this article is adding extra limbs. So there's a picture of this um, person holding their hand up and on the side of their pinky, they have an extra thumb. So when they move their hand a certain way, it turns, it, it curls that thumb in for them. So they have a thumb on both sides and they have pictures of them using both thumbs to pick up like a coffee cup where they can then use the rest of their fingers to stir it and all sorts of stuff. And they're talking about, you know, being able to add a third arm to people or just adding body parts beyond what we have, which is a really interesting and uh, crazy thing for them to be working on. Like I said, something I hadn't thought of, but, uh, you know, pretty soon we're going to have robotic centaurs out there. Man, I wish they would just, like, do all this. Like, it's, it's exciting hearing about it, but, but think of what the world would look like if they just let all this technology out and just said, okay, everybody just run with it. Maybe that's what happened a long time ago. Maybe all these, like, stories of centaurs and chimeras and mythological creatures and everything were just these weird technologies. That's another episode. Taking a lot of tangents today, but it's important stuff. Stay with me. If you've, if you've made it this far, you can make it through the rest of the episode. All right, this next one comes from neurosciencenews.com. Imagination is a spectrum, and 1% of people can't mentally visualize things at all. This blows my mind. So a little while ago, there was all these reports going around that some people can't, uh, don't think in words and don't hear voices, which is insane to me because I absolutely think in words. Sometimes I hear voices that don't exist. <laughs> but um, now they're saying some people can't visually imagine things. So I guess some people only think in words and some people only think in pictures. And then, you know, generally people can do both depending on what part of their brain is being activated. But it's really crazy. Um, I'd be interested to see what those people's lives look like and if it affects them in any way. If you're somebody out there who who thinks one specific way or the other, like you only visualize things or you only think in words or, or you don't do either, um, write to me, please. I'll have you on the show. I would love to talk to somebody like that and just pick your brain a little bit. You know, I had a girlfriend one time and I asked her once, I was like, what are you thinking about? And she goes, nothing. And, you know, that's a pretty general response. And I was like, no, really, just like, what are you thinking about? Just trying to start a conversation. She goes, nothing. And I was like, well, you can't be thinking of nothing. What are you thinking about? And she goes, nothing. Like, I'm thinking of nothing. And that doesn't, my mind does not work that way. It is running at a thousand miles an hour all the time. That's why I started a podcast. Um, but at the time, I was just like, okay, whatever. But with all this stuff coming out, I'm like, maybe her brain, maybe I'll talk to her. Because maybe her brain works like that, where it just can just go completely blank she was also an amazing artist um so maybe that plays into it somewhat but yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll touch base and see if she's one of these people i can have her on the show okay this next one's one of the most um interesting things i've read in a long time it comes from sciencealert.com for the first time ever physicists see molecules form through quantum tunneling so i'm going to try to kind of condense this the way i understand it if you're a quantum physicist out there and i'm doing this wrong um correct me in fact, get a hold of me because I want you on the show anyway. But from what I understand from this, you know, in, in quantum theory, and I've talked about this before, we have things like the double slit experiment that show us that everything's kind of in a loose state until it's observed. Well, in chemistry, it takes a lot of time and energy 
for atoms to bond with one another or to bond with existing molecules. Um, and that's, you know, the building blocks of, of everything. But with quantum mechanics, because everything's kind of in a loose state, it's kind of bouncing around all over the place until it's observed. So in theory, they have this thing called quantum tunneling, where they can jump past all that time and energy needed for these things to bond. Because if you have these uh, quantum particles kind of bouncing around all over the place, and then you are able to observe them or stop them because once they're observed they become that state so if you're able to observe them while they're in the right location to bond with another particle you can kind of bypass or tunnel that's why they call it quantum tunneling you can bypass all that time and energy needed to do it so what this says to me and how it makes sense in my head is that since our observation is doing this which means it has something to do with our consciousness and something to do with our mental state we're able to bond molecules together. This kind of gives a lot of credence to like hermetic transmutation, like this idea that we can change things from one thing to another, you know, hermetic transmutation. Um, you know, the classical idea of it is all these alchemists trying to turn lead into gold. Um, but when you get more into hermetic philosophy, it's, it's this internal thing. But there is this idea in the esoteric side of it that we can actually kind of uh, change physical objects once you can control your mind enough and be able to kind of create things out of thin air. And you have these stories of Jesus feeding the 5,000 or... Or saying that people with the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains, you know, and, and that sounds very metaphorical to a lot of people. But this kind of goes along the lines of proving that if our observation is what's causing things to be the way they are, and we can observe them skipping steps in molecular development, if we can learn to, to essentially harness that and do that with our minds, possibilities are endless. You know, we might be able to someday, if we can really understand this, you know, look at your table and say, I want a steak on my table and just pull the molecular structure out of the quantum realm, bring it together and have that in front of you. I know that sounds crazy and sounds like a, a large leap from what I'm reading to you here. But to me, that's a very small first step in proving um, scientifically that these abilities are latent in us and, and can exist and that really the whole universe is consciousness. And since we are condensed consciousness and a part of that, we have immense power. Again, this is why I want to talk to a quantum physicist about consciousness. So if you're out there, please get a hold of me. Okay, I'm just going to breeze past these next three real quick because because I think this uh, episode is going to end up a little longer than I, than I wanted it to be. But the first one comes from BigThink.com and it says microbes can produce electricity out of thin air. Scientists have finally figured out how to harvest it. The next one comes from inceptivemind.com and says new membrane can simultaneously generate electricity and purify wastewater. And the last one comes from sciencetimes.com and says quantum mechanics helps physicists pull energy out of thin air as evident in two separate experiments. So we have three separate articles from, from three separate news sources talking about three different ways to just pull electricity and energy out of thin air. Tesla did this a long time ago. There's a video going around, and I'm not going to claim that it's a true video until I look more into it, but there's a video going around of Tesla driving a car with absolutely no engine of it. And there's a lot of stories of him creating things that you can just stick right outside of your home. And it's essentially this little tubular structure that you stick into the ground outside of your home, and there's no input to it. It just pulls electricity out of the air, and it powers your whole home. For obvious reasons, um, people who make a lot of money on electricity don't want this type of stuff going out. And I will do a very big, long episode at some point about all the covered up technology and the 
large, large amount of scientists that get in boating accidents or car accidents or their house catches on fire randomly with no explanation when they make discoveries like this and try to go public with it. It happens all the time. I mean, look what happened to, to Tesla. He, he figured out free energy and a myriad of other things a long ass time ago and they just crushed him for it and he died alone in a hotel room hanging out with pigeons um you know they, they don't want this kind of stuff out there and it it gets suppressed a lot but hopefully you know these these things start getting a little more mainstream but again look at these websites they're coming in on we're literally talking about free energy and it's on bigthink.com inceptivemind.com and sciencetimes.com all good websites but it ain't cnn it's not you know fox news it's not any of the big news stations that 99.9 percent of the people listen to they're not going to be talking about free energy so you got to hear it here first <laughs> so i'll do it i'll do an episode on on all that at some point but read these articles because because people call this kind of thing conspiracy theory uh but there is people that do not want your life to get better because it makes them lose control so that's all i'm going to say about that at the moment this next one does come from a more quote-unquote popular news source this comes from goodmorningamerica.com good morning america gets first look at new statue found on easter island so everybody knows about the big old easter island heads another thing i gotta do an episode on at some point man i got years of episodes to do so that's good we'll keep the show running but uh you know these big old statues that have been sticking out of the ground forever and recently they dug down and found out that they're not just heads they're huge full bodies and there's a lot of uh ideas about how those were made or how they got there but it's not 100 percent known and uh goes back to a lot of ancient civilization or alien or a lot of different uh, theories that are involved in that but a lake bed dried up and they found a new one in there it's pretty sweet there's nearly a thousand of them on eastern island and the tallest one is 33 feet tall, and the statues weigh around 3 to 5 tons, but they can go all the way up to 80 tons, which is incredible. But it's pretty uh, interesting that they're still finding these things over there. We still don't know 100% what they are or where they came from, uh, but Good Morning America has a little video of them on there. You can check it out on this website that will have linked on StolenReality.com. Also, with discoveries of ancient things, a this comes from sciencealert.com, a corridor discovered in the Great Pyramid could be protecting the actual burial chamber. I do not believe that the Great Pyramid is a tomb. I have my own ideas about it. Or actually, not just my own ideas about it. A lot of people uh, have similar ideas, but I don't think it's an old tomb. You know, they said it was a tomb forever, and then they didn't really find any evidence of that and then they found what they call the king's chamber but it's not really a tomb and doesn't really have a, you know doesn't have a king in it for one thing but it also doesn't have uh the things that it would need to be that you know and there's there's ideas that the pyramids are energy devices and a lot of a lot of different things that i'll get into at some point but they found a hidden passage inside of the great pyramid but it's nine meters in length about 30 feet and about two meters in width so they found it as part of a scan pyramids project which launched in 2015 as a part of a collaboration between universities in france germany canada and japan and a group of egyptian experts so they think that they're going to go down there and finally find the the tomb that this pyramid was supposedly built to hide which maybe that's the case i'm you know I'm not going to bet my mass fortune of the $12 that I have in my bank account on the fact that they're not going to find that. But here's what I'm putting out there right now. They're going to find a library underneath there. They're going to find Thoth's library. Thoth was one of the Egyptian gods. 
and uh, the very controversial Emerald Tablet of Thoth. He claims that his library is underneath the foot of the Sphinx and that the Great Pyramids were built by him in the time of the Atlanteans before the Egyptians and that the smaller pyramids were built essentially in reverence to that. And I think they're going to find something like that. Actually, I think in the Emerald Tablet of Thoth, he said that his library is under the foot of the Sphinx and his spaceship is underneath the pyramid. So I'm going on record saying I think they're either going to find a library or a spaceship. And when they do find it, they're not going to tell us about it. So either way, they're going to say they found either nothing or maybe they will actually find a, a tomb down there. And I'm completely wrong. But if they do, you just make sure to do your research and make sure they're not faking it. I'm going with the spaceship theory, but only time will tell. This next one comes from NBCNews.com, and it says, Mexican president posts photos of what he claims is an elf. So I've talked about this a lot before. You know, in a lot of cultures, things that we consider mystical or, or cryptids are just seen as part of everyday life. Like, they don't even question it. It's just part of their culture. Well, President Andres Manuel Lopez Abrador, oh, we got that right, posted a photo of an, of an Alex which is a mischievous woodland spirit in Mayan folklore. He wrote in the photo that it was taken three days ago by an engineer and it appears to be an Alex, adding that everything is mystical. You know, I'll put a link to this and you can check out this photo. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Right above it on the caption from NBCNews.com, they say that the nighttime photo shows a tree with a branch forming what looks like a halo of hair and what may be stars forming the figure's eyes. So of course they go and try to rationalize it. Um, I mean, it looks pretty sweet. It could be just the tree, but if it is, it's a pretty strong coincidence. The, the photo is, of course, pretty grainy because that's how all these things always work. But it's a really cool photo. You should come check it out. I've always liked the ideas that things are both. You know, you see this a lot in like uh, fantasy movies and stuff where somebody's walking through the woods and it is a tree or it is a rock or something. And then as something happens or maybe somebody's more open to it, that thing is actually alive. So it's it's kind of both depending on where you're at. Kind of goes back to the quantum mechanics thing I was talking about earlier. Maybe that's how these things do work. Maybe it is due to our observation. You know, people for a very long time has been have been seen or claimed to be more open to things like this. Well, what does it mean to be more open to things like this? Why is it that some people um, traditionally have been seen as mystics while other people aren't? How come some people see more ghosts and more well, some people don't. I've had a lot of quote unquote paranormal experiences throughout my life. And I was talking to my roommate the other day and she goes, why do you think that you've experienced a lot of things when some people haven't? Some people never experienced anything throughout their whole life. To which, you know, I think there's a lot of different explanations that we could give for that. In fact, that would be an interesting thing to talk to a psychologist about because, you know, it could be how your brain works, could be your perception of things, could be a lot of different things. But what if it is the fact that in the quantum field, which is the baseline of everything in existence, things are how we observe them. So what if a rock or a tree, when being observed by somebody who believes it to be a rock or a tree, then becomes and is to that person in their, in their perception and in the world, a rock or a tree, but to somebody who is quote unquote more open and more accepting of that rock or tree being a fairy or being a golem or something, it actually becomes that because of their perception. And can it exist simultaneously as two different forms? Because uh, I'm pretty sure it can. We've, we've shown that through quantum mechanics too. So who knows? Just an idea that just kind of uh, popped in my head, but makes sense to me. I would uh, love to talk to a quantum physicist. So if you guys know any quantum physicists, hook me up. All right, next up comes from livescience.com. 
alien-like giant phantom jellyfish spotted in frigid waters of Antarctica. I'm not going to go through this whole article. You guys can just come look at the picture. But essentially, there's these disgusting <laughs> giant jellyfish that look like a UFO with ribbons hanging off the back. And they get up to like 33 feet long. It's actually a really cool looking photo. Um, but, you know, I, I talked in one of my news articles in one of my news episodes about how I hate spiders. Well, my second, uh, well, my second uh, thing I don't want around me is deep ocean. Interests the hell out of me. There's a lot of really cool things there, but I hate being in the ocean when I can't see the ground below me. If it's nice and clear and I can see the, the sand underneath me, even if it's deep, that's totally fine. But if I can't see below me, that just scares the hell out of me. You know, I, I grew up in the mountains. I can swim in any lake and, and spend a whole bunch of time in the woods with bear and mountain lion and whatever. But I, man, I, duh. I don't want to be <laughs> something coming up from underneath you when you don't see it coming. It's just not, we weren't meant for that. But uh, check this thing out. I wouldn't want to be swimming with it, but it's a really cool picture. And speaking of the ocean, you can now live on a cruise ship for $30,000 per year. This is on CNN.com. I could see how this could go terribly wrong, but a company called Life at Sea Cruises has opened bookings for its three-year voyage on the MV Gemini, which is set which set sails from Istanbul on November first. So that's happening this year. So you got a little bit of time to get your get your affairs in order and um, you know figure out a way to do remote work so you can work from this cruise ship. It's going to be a three-year, hundred thirty thousand mile cruise. It's promising to stop at 375 ports around the world and visit 135 countries on all seven continents. It lists a whole bunch of uh, prominent places it's going to stop, but of course it's going to hit all the big, all the top uh, hot spots. And it even includes 103 tropical islands. It says of the 375 ports, 208 will be overnight stops, giving you extra time in the destination. But what that says to me is that like 150 of them, you don't even get a full overnight like would you stop in for a couple hours so you're gonna spend three solid years on this little tiny boat i mean i've never been on a on a cruise before like i said i'm not a big ocean person but i can't imagine being locked into something uh for three years that's that confined you know it'd be like a really really fancy nice jail essentially like because you can't go anywhere i think that something like this would be much more appealing to me if they did the exact same thing but cut the stops down in half and then give you like three or four days in each one that would be that would be pretty cool in my opinion because then you're actually going to see the world if you're only stopping for a couple hours at each stop you're not really seeing the world you're just seeing the ocean for three years but i'm sure a lot of people love it the cruise ship does look really really nice um Hopefully they don't have problems like some cruise ships where the bathrooms quit working or something and then they're stranded out at sea pooping in buckets. But uh, if that's if that's the life you want to lead, go hit it up. All right, we're almost done, guys. Next up, we got something from Unilad.com. New device allows users to kiss people anywhere in the world over the internet. This thing is disturbing. So it's a little device with a mouth on it that you put your phone into and then you can kiss it and it sends that kiss to somebody else's phone and you can kiss them remotely. Uh, you got to see a picture of this thing. It looks like a it looks like a sex toy and I can only imagine what people are actually going to use it for. But it's super, super creepy. And going back to all the AI stuff we talked about, like, you know, a couple weeks ago, I read an article about a guy who was talking about his relationship with an AI dating bot. Now, now you can kiss him. You know, I'm sure that this thing can integrate into that. 
man, what a world. You, <laughs> you just got to go on, go on to the link I'll have on my website at stolenreality.com underneath the episode notes and click on this article from unilad.com. There's a little video and there's a picture of a woman kissing this, this silicone looking phone mouth from a Chinese company. So a lot of lonely people out there. I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do. And last up, you know, I keep seeing articles. It's funny. It's, you know, there's memes about it, about 2023, the year where everything can give you a heart attack and everything can cause dementia. Um, because there's all these articles I see like every single day where it's like drinking too much coffee leads to dementia. The next one's not drinking enough coffee leads to dementia. The next one's not getting enough sleep leads to heart problems. And the next one's getting too much sleep leads to heart problems. And, you know, the idea is that people are having a lot of uh, brain and heart problems from other things that I won't get into, environmental factors and maybe some more nefarious things. But it's becoming so prevalent that people are talking about it a lot, how people are just dropping dead from heart attacks left and right, especially healthy young people. So they're making all these excuses about just the most asinine things um, and just everything. It's, it's every day I'm seeing a different article about this everyday common thing. I mean, I, I think I saw one about brushing your teeth. You know, it's just, it's insane. But anyway, this article comes from CNN.com and it says laxative use may be linked to dementia risk, study finds. So in translation, they've gone so far down this road that they're saying that you can literally shit your brains out. <laughs> Uh, so on that note, hope you guys had a great week. If you didn't catch my episode on Wednesday, I talked about the man from Torred. Actually kind of debunked one of my favorite stories, so that was heartbreaking, but, you know, gotta, <laughs> gotta give you the truth. I will be back on Monday for another Mindset Monday, and then, like I said, next Wednesday, um, I'll give you guys an episode on the man who talked about the Google AI coming alive, essentially. So that'll be pretty fun to dive into. So I hope you had a fantastic week and I hope you guys go out there and have a great weekend. Make the most of it. Weather's, well, I was going to say the weather's getting better, but I don't know where you live. So hope your weather is okay. If not, go make the best of it anyway. And I'll be back around on Monday. Thanks, everybody.